Back at the Sound Logic Podcast today with album number 49 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 greatest album list. This is Aquemini by Outcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it goes like this right here. It's like, uh, nice pronunciation so there. Um, yes. We, we had to do some Googling to figure that out. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mashup of their their two uh, birth signs, right? Uh, zodiac signs. Zodiac signs. That's right. Aquarius and Gemini for this uh, hip-hop duo that we're tackling. Yeah, you're right, Ben. We'll, we'll get into that in, in a few minutes uh, about the zodiac signs. Uh, should we just dive into some details then before we start talking about it? Or is there, is, was there any preference that you had? Sorry, not a preface. No, I think uh, I think let's do it. It's um, uh, it's an interesting album. We'll have some stuff to talk about, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, let's yeah. get right into it. Details, 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 details. So Aquemini was released September 29th, 1998. It was the group's third studio album. It was written by primarily the two members of outcast that's andre benjamin known as andre 3000 and antoine Patton, also known as big boy and uh, many many others we've talked about on these hip-hop albums ben that uh there's a different producer for every song pretty much this one of course no exception lots of collaboration uh which i think makes hip-hop albums very special yeah uh, but charted number two in the u.s and you know what I said recently when we're looking at a good album and it's number two I go oh I wonder what number one was <laughs> well I actually remembered to look it up oh, I remembered to look it up good this for you. Time. so this came out on the 29th the week of October 3rd the number one album was a Marilyn Manson album uh, uh, I can't remember which one whichever one came out of that Marilyn Manson uh, but the week after that and the three weeks before that was the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh wow, interesting. That kind of puts this in in kind of the context of what else was really really popular. So those two albums are what prevented this album from being number 1. I, I can't speak much to the Marilyn Manson album, but we know that the Lauren Hill album was tremendous and very successful. So anyways, yeah, yeah. number 2 in the US, uh, I didn't see a chart position in in the UK, might not have charted there. Um sales to date are over 2 million important to note it went platinum 1 million by November of the same year Wow! so in in less than 2 months they sold a million copies and since then has sold another million plus hmm. the title when I first saw it I thought it said I was reading it more phonetically Aquamini Aquamini, <laughs> Aquamini. Aquamini. so the, yeah. the title's a portmanteau which is when you put two words together of uh, Big Boy's Zodiac sign, which is Aquarius, and Andre 3000's, which is Gemini. So you get Aquemini. And, and of course, when you get in the album and hear the title track, 
uh, you'll hear them pronounce it like that. So <laughs> that was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, they recorded the majority of the album in Bobby Brown's Boss Town recording studio. There's a name from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, and Doppler Studios, both in Atlanta. These are, these are big-time Atlanta uh, artists. And we'll see as we get into the album, many of the artists featured on the album are from Atlanta. And Outkast was one of the first hip-hop artists or hip-hop acts rather from atlanta to be uh to become very famous i mean hip-hop was very much divided between the east coast being mostly new york and and those coastal states uh northern coastal states rather and the west coast mostly california and la or in uh, kind of the oakland bay area uh but this is uh putting atlanta on the map with outcasts and other artists that we'll talk about later yeah uh the album explores themes of human nature addiction and interpersonal relationships and also it follows from their second album that was called um atlians which is a play on aliens but atl so atlanta atlians i think uh, i've heard people this week as i've been diving through some outcast videos say atlians Atlians. Well, that makes sense too. <laughs> Those themes of kind of space and aliens, yeah. you can hear that in some of the sounds that carried over from the success of that album. Yeah. yeah. So I find this little piece of like folklore really fascinating. So um, there's some backstory here. In 1995, uh, the Source Awards happened, and these Source Awards okay. in particular were. Um, significant because of a number of things that uh that they sort of revealed um there were comments from snoop dogg up front complaining about how west coast rappers don't get uh, enough love there were um comments uh from suge knight about uh sort of his beef uh the east coast west coast beef was on full display and and it was a uh, the moment before it was moments before you know Pac and biggie had had um uh, their you know ongoing feud which uh, resulted in their death um, but kind of lost in the shuffle of that like very historic um, very public sort of pull back of the curtain of the the tension in the, the rap and hip-hop culture was um, these two new guys they got uh, new artists of the year awards uh, it was outcast and as part of their acceptance speech, they kind of ridiculed the crowd for this back and forth East Coast, West Coast thing. And at the end, um, you get this this line, um, the South's got something to say. Uh, essentially saying, like, you're overlooking where the real talent is in this country. And it's, and it's in Atlanta. It's in the <laughs> South. Stop all this East Coast, West Coast nonsense. Um, it's important because that was sort of them bursting onto the scene. This album comes a few years after that, but that moment in their career they felt was so important that they include their um, uh, Source Awards speech in the final track on this album. And so it's like sprinkled oh. in throughout the, that final track, little clips of them uh, from the Source Awards sort of like calling everyone out. And um, the fact oh, that this album kind that. of like, I missed this album kind of exploded, I think made them feel justified in that moment. So they're kind of, this album um, helps them kind of called back to to that time to say like, look, we were telling the truth way back then. So I I don't know that that line the South's got something to say is just so interesting to me and that that folklore that goes with it while 
the the rest of the country was focused on the coast um they were down there saying you know the south's got something to say i love it that's great <laughs> i love the the kind of stories behind yeah. the albums there so i uh, would love to talk about the album artwork uh this is one that i would love to have on a huge uh, vinyl sleeve because <laughs> it's so colorful it's a it's a, an illustration a drawing um with a few different characters again uh, google the album uh outcast equimini in the forefront you've got big boy sitting in a chair with a pinstripe suit you've got andre 3000 uh flanked on his right arms crossed both dressed up there's a few different uh women figures that kind of behind the chair the big kind of high back chair that big boy sitting in there's two women with kind of uh light brown amber colored afros i imagine they're kind of the the gemini figures and then on the left there's there's a lady again with kind of a, a large afro but she's carrying uh a jug looks like a jug of water so she's i guess the aquarius figure and there's some other there's some other imagery there i think there's a there's their symbol they have a symbol it's kind of got like a crown the outcast kind of logo and I don't know if it's the grill of a car behind them. Um, and big kind of gold-looking uh, lettering. I, one thing I, I didn't look up, and I don't know if you looked it up, Ben. Underneath... Oh, that's the symbols. Okay. Underneath Outcast, there's a Roman numeral 2. And I was trying to figure out what that was. So I was like, it's not their second album. But then I see another symbol on the other side. The 2 is probably the symbol for Gemini. And then the 2 lines under the O, that's probably the symbol for Aquarius. That makes sense. Because Gemini's uh, the twins. Yep. Um, okay. That might, I just figured it out. Never mind. We don't have to Google <laughs> it. An interesting comment on it. Uh, journalist David Brown of the New York Times uh, viewed the album art as an homage to the exploitation films of the 70s. Um, exploitation, another portmanteau. <laughs> two words uh kind of mashed together i wasn't familiar with this genre of films um but it's among the first genres in which black characters and communities are the heroes and subjects of film and television rather than sidekicks villains or victims of brutality very progressive uh art form or genre of film in the 70s uh and then so he's related that this artwork as kind of reminiscent of that it's a fascinating cover to me. It it um, mm-hmm. it reminds me of like airbrush t-shirt art, uh, you know, the sort of like fairground things that you can get done with airbrushing. Okay. Like yep. it's it's sort of cartoon, but trying to be realistic, um, and mm-hmm. lots of really bold and vibrant colors. The um, the images like both seem to explode and also like draw you into their detail as well. It's it's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It kind of it kind of makes me think of, for some reason, they're they're somewhat different. But the the doggy style album cover, Snoop Dogg's debut album, uh, has like a, a weird kind of like it's very cartoon, but um, lots of yeah. stuff going on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it fits for me in that um, uh, you know the uh, what was the phrase that our friend Manuel used for this era, like the. the prime time of of hip-hop the golden the golden golden age yeah golden age of Of hip-hop it just seems like that extravagance and confidence and uh Mm -hmm. it's all on display right there i love all the colors um there's 
you know, it's it's not it's less like a caricature. Um, it's serious to me. They're look it's serious yet playful at the same time. All the colors really play. Yeah. Um, I like. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a really stunning piece of artwork. So let's move into to the music itself. Uh, ben, I assume you had not listened to this album before. Yeah, this one was totally new to me. For some new? reason, I picked yeah. up um, uh, Speaker Box and the Love Below, which came mm. a few years later. Mm-hmm. I think probably when yep. it won Album of the Year. Uh, okay. Uh, wow. I think that was five years later, 2002 or three, somewhere in there, maybe four. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was familiar with their sound. Obviously, hey, yeah, you know, we were... I think we were in yep. college when that came out. That song was enormous, like bigger than, yeah, bigger than anything. And uh, um, so I, I, I listened to this album, and it has a familiarity to it, even though I think I'd only ever heard one track, Rosa Parks. I think it's the only one that I was familiar with. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, very, very Same. new to me. Um, aside from a familiarity with the with another album from them. Yeah, very similar. I remember hearing of Outkast when their next album came out, Stankonia, with like Miss Jackson. Oh yeah, uh, so fresh, so fresh, so clean. Oh yeah, I guess I would know those too. Yeah. Bombs over Baghdad. Yeah, um, I remember hearing those and be like, "Who are these guys? That's crazy." But I wasn't really into hip hop, so I, I just kind of saw it on Much Music. Yeah, didn't go out and get an album. I, I had no idea about this album Rosa Parks was familiar that one track was familiar to me my preconceived notion was that I thought it would be filled with uh, fast paced lyrics and funk soul inspired music uh-huh. I'm usually pretty wrong <laughs> with my uh, preconceived notions but I was pretty not to say that it was exactly what but the general concept of it of what I thought it would be that that's pretty much what it was yeah um, no Again, not to say that I was like, oh yeah, but no, it was it was great. I enjoyed listening to it. I, you know, not having not known about those Source Awards that I mentioned earlier, I mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. wouldn't have assumed that they got into the sort of like gangsta posturing, tough guy kind of side of things. Like, you know, especially a song like Hey Ya, is just like so upbeat and poppy. Um, I think my assumption was that they were more laid back and. Um, so I was a bit surprised by the intensity or the depth of some of these songs, mm-hmm. even like yeah. the kind of after the intro, the, the first real track return of the G kind of gets into like yeah. street life. And, yeah. um, that yeah. was a surprise to me. I, I don't hear outcast and think, oh yeah, like, you know, th- they fit in the same genre as some of the other sort of tougher <laughs> rap music that we've listened to so far. Um, and yet here it is, it's on this album. And, um, yeah. you know, I think they felt like they were representing the South in a way that the East and West coast were doing their thing too. So it makes sense. It's just, um, it's a bit of a surprise and I guess probably shows some of my ignorance there too. <laughs> yeah. That first track return of the G that struck me as well. I thought it was, a, I was conflicted because Again, like you, I thought a bit of a softer. I thought Outcast, you know, listening to that stuff from Speaker Box was a little soft, like softer in the sense, like not as hard in terms of kind yeah. of that street life, um, you know, violence, drugs, uh, sexual uh, explicit stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you, Return of the G, 
I felt that not only does even the the kind of spoken word by Andre Benjamin at the beginning not only kind of opens up some of the themes of the album, but also how how good they are with words, mm-hmm. um, because he uses uh, the homonyms um, of of peace. Yeah. <laughs> kind of roll right into one another right is it uh, you know every everybody's talking about peace you know peace this peace my brother but they're trying to take a peace of mind yeah. so i gotta get my peace <laughs> you know so it's all these di- all these different words uh that mean that sound the same but mean different things yeah uh and and right away getting into you know we're talking about gun gun violence right off the top yep. you know and and wealth and and all these things so i found that um pretty i don't know what the word is to you just just kind of hit me pretty hard yeah. it's like again that's not my that's not my culture i'm not used to that if you grew up in that where, where you know especially i'm not trying to be political guns are more common in the u.s than than canada um that people own them so to to speak about guns guns or talk about people having them or you know you and your friends uh carrying um I don't want to say that it's not a big deal, but it's certainly more common in the States and some of the areas that, than it is for me. Yeah. So that struck me as hard. The other thing, and I'm not sure, I, I guess we'll talk about this now, just kind of in general. The more I listen to this album, the more I heard, again, like the lyrics are so fast. And mm-hmm. sometimes I have to listen to a song like two or three times to really get them. But more I heard like uh, sexually explicit lyrics and talking about drugs, talking about violence, all these things that I found so abrasive on other albums like the Wu-Tang and the Chronic. Um, and I didn't find it as abrasive maybe it's because i i just they the lyrics just blow by you so fast but they're very smooth i listened to the whole too. album i thought well yeah like and it and some of them some of the other ones on you know wu-tang another album it's so it's so hard like it's just right clear in your face this one they're just like just yeah very smooth very fast paced i don't know if you got that sense as well or if you were yeah absolutely. or if you were taken aback by by the language yeah absolutely and um i think uh, you know, again, jumping ahead to the album that I owned, that album is also pretty crass and crude, but uh, kind of like with a bit of a candy coating on it too. That uh, right, yeah, <laughs> you don't always notice. Uh, I actually don't yeah. think I could tell you what "I'm Sorry, Miss Jackson" is about, right? Like, because you know, aside from the chorus, there, there's uh, yeah. a lot of very spa- fast-spoken uh, uh, words. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it, they sort of like have this ability to to bury a lot of stuff deep that I'm sure their fans are able to pick up on and people who follow them closely. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I have no sense of whether or not the liner notes would include full tracks to uh, to you know stuff like this. But yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things we've talked about a few times, and I, I need to make a mental note maybe before we review our next album, which is uh, the Blueprint by Jay Z. This is another hip-hop album that, that is filled with lots of skits and interludes uh, between between the songs. And well, I really need to look into the origins of the skits uh-huh. <laughs> because it's such a, a big part of the culture. We recently reviewed Nas's Illmatic, uh, and that was one thing we noted that there was hardly any, maybe just the intro. Yeah. Uh, there really weren't any interludes in that. And that's right in the thick of when you know those other artists, uh, Biggie and uh, Dr. Dre... Snoop Dogg were releasing some of their first albums and, and they were just full of those skits. And then again here we get a lot of those skits 
sometimes conversations between people. I really need to investigate that a little, a little bit. Deeper. Why is that such an important part of, of the hip-hop album? We, you still get that coming through even to today mm-hmm. on most hip-hop albums. So that was another thing that I... I found them like entertaining. Some of the, like on Biggie, some of them are really like pretty strongly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty harsh uh, themes thematically. You know, very violent or sexual. Here was a little more playful, um, and I found that again easier to digest. I was looking up a lot of the artists who appear. Yeah, uh, many of them are. Our Atlanta artists. Mm-hmm. We got another. We got another appearance. Uh, a member of the Wu Tang, <laughs> Raekwon, appearing on uh, "Skew It on the Barb the Barbie." I love that song. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, um, to Raekwon, he's not from Atlanta, but um, uh, the Goody Mob, uh, Timo, Big Gip, and Cujo, uh, three of the four members of the Goody Mob, and then on track fifteen, "Liberation," uh, CeeLo Green, who also from Atlanta, also a member of the Goody Mob, and uh, Erica Badu, also from Atlanta. Wow. And just prior to this album, was in a relationship and had a child with Andre 3000. Oh, wow. So a few a few more, uh, a few more connections on the album. Um, you know, we found that a lot of artists in general, but I think especially hip-hop artists, you know, you look at these albums, you see how many different people... I get the sense that it was a very tight-knit community, people in and out of the studio, um, uh, and, you know, someone comes in and they sit down and they contribute to a song, and someone else, then they leave and someone else comes in, and and you just get this rich flavor. But I also get the sense, especially in, as you mentioned, that Atlanta was was an overlooked uh, region for hip-hop for a while and was getting bypassed because of that big east-west feud you've got this very tight-knit yeah. strong group of in, of of artists like like incredible artists 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 who today are much more well known i think even than like erica badu and, and CeeLo green like yeah just kind of exploded later on but um yeah uh, yeah just just i found that very interesting yeah I, I i'm glad you said that um i read an article this week trying to do a bit more research into the sort of the story behind this album what makes it great and i found a um an article by a kind of a, a culture a black culture um writer who talked about for him being from the south um this album kind of changed what was possible um you know the south in this country is so often overlooked as like a place of poverty a place of racism a place where that can't figure itself out that can't decide whether it's still flying the confederate flag or if that's racist <laughs> and um right and he said for him aquemini is uh, on par with songs in the key of life purple rain thriller this is an album that like transformed what music could be and transformed hmm, a culture wow uh, for him it was sort of a watershed cultural moment that uh, that elevated the south to to something else all because of this one album and i, I thought wow that's hmm. that's power and and um and i don't know that i have you know a clear music parallel with where we're from although maybe you know i remember um I think it was while we were in high school, the Bare Naked Ladies had an album that hit number one in the U.S. and it wasn't even number one in Canada yet. And there was all this talk right. about like, oh, like we, maybe we've overlooked our own our own thing, right? Um, <laughs> um, you know, there are breakout moments too from 
Shania Twain and Celine Dion as well, where you're like, wow, okay, maybe Canadian music is just as good as uh, <laughs> as what else is produced uh, south of the border. And I think that's what this album did for hip hop fans in the south. It it sort of uh, justified their existence and and um, mm. you know something good can come from uh, you know don't overlook the south as that <laughs> as that line is yeah. from the source yeah. of words. I hadn't realized uh, how how significant Me neither. this was. Yeah. That's that's really neat. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so we want to keep talking about the music. And if you've been listening to our podcast before, you know that we have a playlist on Spotify. It's called Sound Logic Favorites. We pick two tracks from each album we review. Uh, so we're going to do that now, and then we'll keep talking about the music. Ben, what's your... What's your favorite track or, or the track that you'd want to be on this playlist representing this album? Are you going to pick Rosa Parks? No, I'm okay. not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, for me, I, you know, there's lots of things that I really appreciate about this album. I, I love the inclusion of that Source Awards uh, refrain throughout Tronky Fire, the final track. I like um, kind of a, the horn inclusion and spotty yachty dopalicious <laughs> uh, almost has like a i don't know like a, a almost a ska sound um going on there with that, okay yeah back to that one um and i think it's liberation that's got like kind of a more of a melodic kind of singing through the lyrics than uh, than sort of a yeah. rapping but for me the standout is the the song that i had heard before as boring as that sounds that's the one that i kept going back to that's rosa parks i think it's just got the 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 catchiest hook it's got this really interesting kind of rhythm going through the whole song i want to spend more time digging into what exactly they're saying i understand that the rosa parks estate sued them afterwards they were not happy that her name was included in a hip-hop album i think that that was resolved fairly kindly and politely i mean the the spotify version of this album that i listened to still includes this track so i don't think they it wasn't a cease and desist kind of thing um they didn't rename it they didn't edit her name out uh right but uh but yeah lifting up an iconic black figure who uh spoke for empowerment and then sort of creating a song around that narrative uh I want to spend more time with what all is going on there because I, I, I love the, yeah. the sound of that song. I want to dig deeper into what it's actually saying. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do also really love Rosa Parks. That would be one of my favorites. I really like Slump. I also really like uh, the horns in Spotty Adi Dopalicious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love just the feel on that. that I want to I want to just chunk that out and, and kind of use that as my theme music every time I enter a room. It's great. Uh, I love Skew It on the Barbie. Oh, yeah. Um, with that, <laughs> yeah, 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 at the beginning. <laughs> just, this makes me sound. That's a good one. Um, the one I'm going to pick is the title track, Quemini. Oh, all right. It's got such a laid back beat. I love the drums with the, um, I don't know what you call it, but when you you lay the, the drumstick across yeah. the rims yep. and it kind of echoes mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, the guitar with the the reverb um kind of just echoing through the whole thing yeah. um and i like how like the emceeing is really good at you know at the beginning it's just like yep yeah, it's great and then the song kind of stops like it pauses mm-hmm. 
and then they come back in like really hard like just sounds like they're they're rapping at twice the speed yeah. uh it's it's very intense and i love the way it's like listen to it a few times like oh i thought this song was longer is it over already and then they come back in like like really hard and it's very exciting musically um so that's my pick uh Aquemini. is that big boy rapping because it is fast like there are some parts in there that are yeah both both of them really maybe it's both of them yeah both of them they're both very fast like i think we I always thought that Andre 3000 was like the one who was always rapping fast, but it's both of them. Like they are just, yeah. <laughs> they were known uh, in the early days as, as two of the fastest rappers in the game. Like they're like right up there. Yeah. Like, uh, you mentioned liberation with uh, CeeLo and Erica Badu, lots of very melodic mm-hmm. uh, vocalization happening throughout the song. Yeah. And then chonky fire. I have to, uh, I mentioned you off air, right? Just for whatever reason, over the past few weeks, I, I found it really hard, not because of the album, but just because of timing. I don't think I was ever able to sit and listen to it start to finish in one sitting, which yeah. was disappointing. Um, so I kept trying to pick it up at the same spot because I really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Uh, but uh, Chonky Fire, which is one I don't think I listened to as much, but that has a lot, again, a lot of things happening throughout. You mentioned the the insertions of, of their acceptance speech. Yeah lots of great great tracks and and i agree with you ben i want to spend more time with this album um, i want to listen to it a few more times because there's a lot going on yeah I, again the one thing I, I will say sorry just one more thing um some of the language i found challenging again you know that the, the use of the n-word it's not not language that of course not that i use or not that anybody around me uses and it still just makes me a little uncomfortable i was actually played a couple of songs for my for my youngest kid um, because it sounds great, and I was like, "What do you think?" And then I'm hearing all the lyrics going, Ugh. "Yeah," and and they were they were picking up on it, but not upset about it, but kind of like they know too that like that's just not that's not okay. Yep. Or it's certainly not okay for us to repeat it, um, mm-hmm. even if he understands that maybe it's okay for some people to use it, right? Uh, but it's not for us, like like he gets that yeah um so that's that's challenging um not only as an individual but a parent too um so i I still struggled with that a bit not to the point that i couldn't listen to it but sometimes i'd be like "Mm." you know still still trying to figure out just how do i process that how do i digest it how do i talk about it no i think that's all uh i think i i struggled too with listening all the way through and part of it was that i couldn't just uh you know put it on while the kids were playing uh yeah i feel super yeah. good about that so yeah I, right. I, I empathize with that i think similar to some of the other uh really brilliant hip-hop albums that we've tackled the the production value is so high that i I want to like go back and re-listen to a track when it's complete because I feel like I'm not picking it all up the first time through. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's so much, so happening. much going on. There's so many different genres and music styles being brought in. Um, the sampling's pretty interesting. The, the lyrics are hard to follow because of how fast they are. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a complex album and uh, and one that I kind of wish I could just have on in the background so that it would sort of seep into my subconscious in a way that 
didn't require so much of me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think there's something calling me back there. And a few of the albums uh, that I haven't known on this list have done that. So that's uh, kind of exciting, and I'm curious to see where where it goes with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've talked about how important and influential this album was, uh, certainly when it came out and beyond. Uh, what about for today? Uh, compared to the hip-hop music today and people making music, do you think it's still relevant right now? We'll start with you, Ben. What do you think? When I hold this up to something like uh, a Kanye production, I think it, uh, it's not quite as like flashy or flamboyant, <laughs> maybe I would, mm-hmm. I would call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a lot of that like um, well you know you pointed out the uh, whatever the term is for just riding the snare or the edge of the snare right um, uh, yeah, it's not a, yeah not a rim shot but just using that kind of like more jazzy style as the backbone of a song yeah. you know that's it's not like blowing the bass way out it's not making the kick drum like like pound you in the chest. Um, so, so it's a little right. bit more subdued than perhaps some of the music today. But you can you can hear where this could be like just turned up a little bit to become the music of today. Um, it's uh, so it's got the backbone maybe and, and just lacking some of the the current production that goes into music like this. Um, I also have you know that that article that I read and and some of the other things that I checked out the sort of that this was this sort of launched the south right that there are all these more prominent artists now today um who kind of owe this album as like the the reason people started paying attention to atlanta um especially in, yeah. in rap and hip-hop um so you know that um seminal albums are always a little tricky to know what to do with as far as relevancy um very important this one's not old enough that that i would think it's like it would sound too too dated if it came out today um so perhaps it is still still pretty relevant um i don't know tell me where i'm wrong (laughs) i think i i agree with you i think this has all the elements even to today's standards of a really great hip-hop album Mm -hmm. i think that today's hip-hop has a little more uh, obviously more electronic elements more i think there's more dance elements like you want Mm -hmm. it also to be something that'll be in the clubs right yeah yeah like the dance clubs um uh and i think a lot of hip-hop album sorry a lot of hip-hop artists have been doing that for years that they're you know it's a hip-hop album but there's some there's some dance tracks or there's some pop tracks or something that, that, you know, kind of blends in that and you get the other way too. You have, you know, pop artists, but then you have an album with some very hip hop heavy tracks on there. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think it blends very well with today's, with today's, uh, music and today's hip hop. Um, uh it's got you know it's got good beats it's got great sampling it's got great uh, uh backing music the uh the lyricism and the, and the artistry of, of the two lead mcs is unparalleled yeah. like they're still i think i think most would say they're two of the greatest um mcs to exist uh, uh very very good and uh it's just got such a funky groovy feel like mm-hmm. a for me, especially that title track, Aquemini, it's just just got right in the groove. And um, 
you know, it almost feels like, like when we listen to some other, it almost feels like sometimes I'm listening to an R&B or a funk or a jazz track that's got, you know, rapping over top of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to oversimplify, but like, it's just got, when you can blend it together like that, yeah. uh, so good. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I think, I think it is, um, again, I'm a fairly, uh, I'm not, I am not probably not the great, per, the best person to answer yeah. <laughs> that question, but, um, uh, you know, fairly ignorant in, in a lot of hip hop and certainly today's hip hop. Yeah. Um, well, all of it really I, i'm i'm more versed in the old stuff now just because we've been listening to a lot of it yeah. but <laughs> yeah i i think so but i can see what you're saying i think the production i think that is the biggest kind of the the technology and the electronic yeah. kind of feel of it uh listening to like uh kendrick lamar's butterfly and certainly kanye's stuff you, you hear that you know well i guess i guess on this album they're they're playing with the voice modulation mm-hmm. a bit you know sounding almost spacey alieny and you get kendrick playing with a lot of that mm-hmm on to pimp a butterfly and his other works so uh, yeah i think they were really onto something i think they were what about the the position here ben is this sound yeah. logic their number 49th best album of all time what do you think i mean I, the, the piece that i am uh asking myself is like why the massive leap um, i think we mentioned this in a recent episode mm. that this was yeah or maybe um in our intro to this season this used to be the the very final album on the list, number 500, and it's leapt right. all the way That's up right. here. So I was feeling fairly indifferent about this ranking until reading that article that said this is sort of like, um, you know, pivotal in the same way that, that Thriller is. And, and then started thinking, like, oh, man, maybe I've way underestimated, you know, what this thing is. And uh, I guess I'll say I'm... I'm pretty content with number 49 given my general ignorance to the genre and uh and kind of am definitely very appreciative that i got to listen to it this early in this journey uh through this list and um definitely excited uh to hear more outcast unfortunately we've got a few more albums on this list um how about you what what about the 49 ranking for you uh how does this fit I'm in a similar boat where I wasn't so sure at first, but having listened to it and done a little research and seeing how significant it was uh, for hip hop in general and certainly hip hop from from Atlanta and that that area of the South, uh, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the one of the uh, I think the second the second biggest mover from the last list to this list. I think it was yeah. D'Angelo's Voodoo that that jumped That's the right. most, but yeah. this jumped up. Uh, 451 spots. It's wow. <laughs> a big, it's a big move. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, and I think uh, maybe not the most important early hip hop, and certainly it's it maybe not even considered early hip hop. Uh, you know, 1998. Now we're moving right. into the era. Right. This is this is a, a new era for hip hop. It's where we see you know ed- miseducational Lauren Hill. She wins album of the year the next year, and and kind of puts really puts hip hop very squarely on the map as if it doesn't wasn't already now in the mainstream it's it's right up there with all the other all the other great albums every other every other album whether it be the crooners or uh pop rock and roll uh now a hip-hop album in 1999 shares that same platform that same stage as yeah. the other great albums in history so this is right in that yeah. era so i wouldn't call it early hip-hop but certainly it's it's an influential one as hip-hop is becoming 
absolutely part of the mainstream. This is right in there in the thick of it. So yeah, yeah, I th I'm I'm totally cool with it. Uh, I I honestly I could see it a little higher. Hmm. I could see it go you know ten or fifteen higher personally. Yep. Um, just because of, of the of the effect it's had, and and in my opinion, it's very very good. <laughs> like yeah. it's is really fun to listen to. If you haven't listened to this album, give it a listen. It, yeah. it it's pretty big, sixteen tracks. Yeah. Um, and some of them are longer, but it's it's uh, over it's an hour in length, I think, too, which is um, something yeah. you don't often oh, yeah. see. I think it's a. Uh, no. I was seeing pictures of the LP sets, and I think it's three vinyl um, discs. To, okay three discs <laughs> to make up this uh wow yeah okay yeah mm -hmm. so six sides uh yeah i don't know wow. if it's all six okay. but uh it's a three three disc set three yeah. discs wow cool as you mentioned we do get to talk about outcast again number 64 uh, all the way up from number 361 is stankonia an album we talked about from the year 2000. Won't be long for that one. Uh, no, no, that's coming out soon. But then we do have to wait a while all the way to 290, which is a new edition on this list. It wasn't on any previous version of the 500 list. Um, that's uh, 2003's Speaker Box, The Love Below. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. And, and I love, I can't wait to, because that's such a great story about that one. Them wanting to make solo albums, but they're <laughs> deciding that now you should each do your albums, but release it as yeah. a cast, and that was a pretty, pretty amazing uh, decision. Pretty um, yeah. Obviously, very successful. That'll be about six years down the road <laughs> when we get to number two ninety, and that's it for us. Uh, we did it. One more in the books. Another great hip hop album, which brings us to next time. Another hip hop album. Ben, would you tell us what we got coming up on our next review? Yeah. We get to uh, dig deep into that weird moment where um, uh, rap music introduced us to Izzo's and Izzy's and things like that and uh, look at Jay-Z's The Blueprint, uh, H to the Izzo. And uh, that'll be yep. a fascinating one. That's uh, number 50 as we round out this group of 10. A pretty important uh, cultural moment. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly look forward to chatting about that with you, Ben can't wait <laughs> and until then we hope you continue to be well we hope that you take care of yourselves and those around you and we certainly hope that you'll join us next time right here on the sound logic podcast take care if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review send us a message at our facebook page on instagram or through our sound logic podcast twitter feed thanks for listening